Hello and welcome. I'm Shannon Shotler, your host, and this is The Messy Mucky Middle, a podcast dedicated to talking with real people about the most real parts of their life and career transition stories. Today, our guest is Amy Young. Amy is a coach and guide to spiritual women who are committed to patriarchal deprogramming and the energetic disillusion of our dysfunctional masculine paradigm. And I can personally testify to the power of her work having been through it before. But what we get to talk with Amy about today is her time spent navigating that mucky, messy middle from a workaholic performer and codependent people pleaser to the calm, boundaried authentic feminine powerhouse that she is today. This is Amy's messy middle story. Amy, thank you so much for being with us. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and dive into this. Yeah. 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 So Amy, I often think that like transition moments begin at an ending. I would love for you to just catch people up, maybe even catch me up on what was ending in your life when your messy middle story begins. Mm, So many things. Well, it's so easy to look back and see, right? Like what was going on? Like, it's so easy to reflect and be like, oh yeah, all of this stuff was kind of coming to a close. And yet in the moment, I don't think I could see any of that. But I think the the biggest pieces were that I the, the awareness was increasing that the coaching business I had been running and like what I had been coaching people on for at that time, five, almost six years, that things were going to be pivoting and shifting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been doing a lot of work in the dating and relationship space and was super comfy and cozy in that space and like experiencing a lot of success and a lot of the things that I really wanted were coming to fruition, like my goals. And yet there was this behind the scenes awareness of like, oh, this isn't really doing it for me. And that was really confusing because I was getting everything that I wanted, Mm. everything I thought I wanted. So it was sort of this ending of this particular dream that I had you know, and this particular goal and vision that I had for the coach I was going to be and the person I was going to be professionally and what I thought my livelihood was (laughs) career path was going to be based around. And things started shifting on multiple levels to indicate to me that like some things are going to change now. It, It There was a big spiritual awakening component, which... I still like have a hard time saying those words because when someone else says that they have a spiritual awakening, I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? But truthfully, like that's just what was happening. Um, I had a relationship that was coming to an end that was quite dysfunctional and damaging. Another thing that I couldn't fully see. And essentially my identity up until that point, like who I had been as a um, yeah, you know, like you shared in my intro, like highly codependent, highly people pleasy, an overachiever, an overworker, um, someone who could push themselves really mm. hard. Like that was definitely coming to a close. <laughs> yeah. I loved what you touched on about saying, like, I don't know when I knew it was all ending at the time. So it's easy to see things in hindsight. I'm curious though, how were you feeling at that point? Like what emotions were you experiencing? I think I was feeling a lot of overwhelm. Like I think I was just feeling overwhelm and confusion and really this cognitive dissonance again between like how I thought I should be feeling and what I was actually feeling. Because from the outside looking in, and if I kind of just looked at my life on paper, it was like all the boxes were very much checked. And it was really confusing to me to have to grapple with the kind of egoic satisfaction that I felt in reflecting on that and being praised for what I'd accomplished. And, And also, you know, genuinely also being passionate about the work I was doing. Like it wasn't like I was waking up every day and being like, oh, this slog again. And it wasn't like that. It was like, I was working with incredible women and I always loved being a business owner. 
but there was this undercurrent of something's not quite right or something else needs attention or we need to really slow things down here. Like you need to pause and reflect and relax and care for yourself on a different level. It's like there were so many kind of swirling emotions happening at once. Yeah. And, and also I'll say I felt in that a lot of shame because mm-hmm. as like a coach and a leader, I really felt like I'm supposed to have the answers and I'm supposed to have my shit together. And I'm like guiding and assisting and supporting other people along their process. And I'm overwhelmed and confused. Like that's not okay. So the overwhelm and the confusion and the dissonance and the dissatisfaction, but also like pride in what I'd accomplished was there was like this lid of like shame and not wanting to acknowledge all of it. That was kind of covering it all. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to so much of what you're sharing personally from my own experience in moving through transition of just like a, what the hell? I checked all the boxes and got all the things that I'm supposed to want. And that even I thought I wanted, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel the way that I thought I would feel at this point in the journey. The one double click I want to do on feelings, especially is confidence, because confidence is something that I hear a lot of folks when they're coming into transition or they're beginning to build some awareness of, oh, shoot, there's some things that need to change here. They put them this pressure on themselves to say, like, I, I need to feel confident before I can do anything. Did you feel confident as these ahas were emerging? No, I wouldn't say, con- I think I felt humbled. <laughs> like, like, I think I felt, and and I think in that actually was a lack of confidence because so much of my confidence up until that point was really rooted in this old identity and persona and this person that I was kind of sh- shedding, mm. so to speak. So as things started changing, I mean, and especially as I started dealing with some health challenges as a result of like overworking and like riding the roller coaster of adrenaline and cortisol and building my business yeah. for years at a time and not taking care of myself. Once my body started speaking pretty loudly to me, I think that's especially when I was like, oh crap. Like I, I felt very humbled going through that because I was like, oh, here I am thinking I'm in charge and I get to call the shots and I'm in control. And now I'm getting like direct feedback from my body saying like, something's wrong here. And, and I didn't have all the answers. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't fully get it. And there was stuff I wasn't ready to let go of. And I was, again, it's like, I know the change is coming and yet I also am like resisting it and also like halfway surrendering, but kind of wanting to ignore it at the same time and just like watch episodes of friends ad nauseum, you know, like it was so, no, I definitely wouldn't say I felt primarily confident. (laughs) I think I felt more, um, yeah, like humbled and, and like, it was like a come to Jesus. (laughs) kind of experience yeah. of like, oh yeah, things are going to change what kind of, whether I like it or not. Mm. Um, and, and that I've talked about a little bit, just in the sense that, you know, by the time things really started shifting, like by the time I started having challenges with health and my relationship was going down in flames, it was like, I'd been ignoring the, the, the call for change for a while. Mm. So it was like the knocking had to keep getting louder. And I think I was very aware of that as well. Like I was like, oh, I haven't really been listening to myself. I haven't really been taking care of myself. And that felt really, it was like sad and uncomfortable to admit that. Mm. And so the knocking is getting to the point where maybe the resistance is softening. Maybe the resistance is saying like, okay, it's time for something to shift or change. And then what? Oh my God. I just like changed. Well, what did I do first? You know what, what really helped me actually was I, I did start listening to my body pretty quickly after she started screaming at me. Yeah. You know, and just to give people some context, like I started experiencing like profound pain in my body, like chronic pain that like couldn't be diagnosed, that like no one, like no test, no exam could tell me like, oh, this is what is going on. No doctor could help me. And I was like, okay, 
so if this is my reality, like, and, and I'm someone who really believes and I teach and preach that like everything is for us mm-hmm. in all occasions. I was like, I have to really believe that this is for me. Like, this is a decision that I have to make that this is really for me. So if I'm going to assume that, that what's happening in my body and this pain is happening for me and it's trying to help me with something, then how do I relate to it? And the way that I was like, I'm going to relate to this. I was like, I'm going to really listen. Mm-hmm. And when I started listening on this deeper level, my body was like, we don't like this person that you're in a relationship with. We don't feel safe in this relationship. Like we don't like the pace that you've been keeping up with for so long. Mm-hmm. We don't like that you don't have good boundaries. You know, we don't like that you are continuing to live in a city that you've known for a really long time was not where you wanted to be. And it's time to start making some serious changes there. So it was like this shift inward on a deeper level that kind of opened up clarity Mm. beyond what beyond like the agenda of what my mind wanted or what felt comfortable or familiar to me, it was like these other parts of me started talking and I was in a place where I was really ready to listen. Mm. Does that make any sense? I feel like Okay. (laughs) Like what I'm hearing in that is that for you, the, and then what of letting go was like, I feel like I had another guest that spoke to it of like, it was turning down the voices outside of me long enough to turn up the voice that was inside of me. Yes. Saying, yes, I'm a no for this. Yeah. Like, hello. Yeah. Like my body is screaming. I am a no for this relationship. I am a no for the city. I am a no for this pace. Yeah. That you've been having us go at. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So then let's shift gears a little bit. I'm curious. Rest and reflection are two things that I talk about till I'm blue in the face. I think sometimes we like resist it, like a mofo, myself included, until it's like we can't anymore. Yeah. So I'm curious, what role did, let's just take restoration first. What role did restoration play in your own messy middle story? Oh, can you, can I counter question you? How do you define restoration? For me, I think of restoration as anything that is actually soul nourishing, that is totally. going to restock the well after the shitty time that you just went through, where you were working at a pace in relationships yeah. in cities that weren't working for you. Like, what are we oh. doing to replenish? Totally. Um, I feel like such a cliche in my answer to this, but I'm like, I went to nature. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like the the mountains were calling and I must go, you know, like, I mean, I literally moved to Boulder, Colorado. Like I literally was like, Hey folks, I'm going to up and go to the mountains and I'm going to like hang out amongst the trees and the wildlife. And there was like a deep primal call to like be around green things. Mm. And I was actually thinking about this because I was on a hike this morning and I was thinking about how weird it is because I'd always lived pretty much exclusively in major cities and I was so not a nature girl. And then suddenly to be uprooting my whole life because I felt this sense of like, I think I need to be in nature was so not me. Yeah. Right. Like this speaks to that identity thing of like, I'm not a fucking nature person. I don't hike. <laughs> I don't freaking like, I don't hug trees. I'm not. And now I do all of those things extremely regularly. So I think in terms of restoration, that was one of the biggest, most unexpected things was like, yeah, I want to be in nature. I want to hug a tree. I want to go swim in a lake somewhere. Like just feeling really like I needed a break from city life. Yeah. And the other thing, um, I mean, I started putting really hard boundaries around my time and Mm. I started really cutting back and scaling back on my workload and the volume of people that I was serving and supporting at that time. And I started kind of planning an exit strategy, like very early stages of like, okay, if my business is going to change and pivot and shift, then let's sort of build a runway for that. Like what might that look like? And it was, and, and I think the other thing too, back, this was kind of like an umbrella restoration choice was like, let's just go really slow. You know, like I'm not gonna, we're not gonna like rip things off like a band aid, which I think is a lot of people feel a lot of pressure of be like, oh my God, I have to change it all overnight. Mm -hmm. And 
I think I, I, for whatever reason, I I knew that part of my healing journey was going to be about slowing down. Mm. So I was like, so this whole thing is going to go slow. And this, and I say this to my clients now too, I'm like, this is your pace and your process entirely. So you get to choose every single step of the way, what gets taken off the plate, what you want to add to the plate, when you need to pump the brakes, if you want to speed up again, this is not going to be an overnight change. So let's just take it really slow. And, and that was like the best decision that I could have given myself because I was, I was making a lot of changes all at once, but I knew that really, I mean, I don't think I had the language for it at that time, but like on a nervous system level, like I needed it to be this kind of like incremental regulated change, or I was going to feel totally destabilized. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as you're talking about pace, I'm having an aha, like as you're describing it, because I'm thinking, oh, for being like on the outside looking in for for folks, maybe like following me on Instagram, it might've seemed like rapid, like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden, like Amy's moving to Boulder. So I think it's, it, it makes me wonder how much what we perceive, you know, of like, well, other people make rapid changes yes. is why other folks are feeling like, well, then I have to get out the fire trucks and like the bulldozers and just burn it all down overnight. Yeah. I so appreciate you sharing and taking us behind the scenes to say like, nah, it was not, it was slow mm-hmm. and it was intentional in that way. And it was also, you know, especially with the move, there was just a lot of permission to try things out. Like I did not intend to move to Boulder. I got an Airbnb for a month and and I have the infrastructure in my life. I mean, running your own business, like I have a mobile business and I was like singler than single at the time. So I could just get up and go somewhere for a month, right? So I went to Boulder for a month. One month turned into three months. Three months turned into six months the pandemic happened. So it was like, okay, I guess this is where I am. But I, I really, it's not like I made these sweeping changes. And at the time was like, and Boulder is going to be my place now. Like it was like, Mm -hmm. no, I want to go out there. Um, at the time I, again, this was like totally just like an internal knowing thing of, I was like, I want to do equine therapy. I want to like be around animals. I want to like, yeah, like brush a pony and (laughs) And Boulder's a place where I could do that. So I'm going to go do that. Uh, and, it, and it just so happened that it stuck. But that's the other thing too, that I think that we can assume is that like when other people are making choices or, or big swings, mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, they must know that that's what they're supposed to be doing. And like, I definitely didn't know that at the time. I was just like, this feels, there's like enough rightness here for me to say yes to this. and future Amy will take care of what happens beyond that. Yeah. 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 And we're going to talk about that more of like ways that you maybe experimented, but another like moment where I want to double click a little bit is like, so you're doing this restoration, you're spending time in nature, you're spending time with animals. Was that like a full body? Yes. For you. Or were there any, any moments of like resistance in that process of slowing down and taking a little bit more time to restore? Well, slowing down was definitely mega uncomfortable. Like I had been operating at such a pace and a speed for so long. I had a therapist at the time who I remember saying to me, Amy, you operate like a freight train Mm. and it takes a lot to slow down a freight train, you know? And so I would go to the nature and I would (laughs) be like, okay, we're going to take this morning off, or I'm going to actually like close down my laptop at 5 p.m. instead of 8 p.m. And I'm going to take a walk, you know, by the river and I'm going to sit under a tree. But my, I I would be very uncomfortable doing all of that. Mm -hmm. Like I would feel really antsy and anxious and worried about emails and Mm -hmm. wondering, um, is this actually okay that I'm doing this? And mm-hmm. slowing down has been the, it's, it's like a, a constant shifting of gears for yeah. me. So there was definitely relief in it. Like there was relief in doing those things and it felt right and good. And alongside that there was discomfort yeah. and And stress with doing that, you know, like setting boundaries when you aren't used to having any, (laughs) it's like an extremely uncomfortable process. So, and and me just even setting boundaries with myself of like, you're not going to get up and immediately go on your phone, or you're going to have to tell this person, no, actually I can't 
work with you right now. Like those were all things I had to practice getting comfortable with. Mm. And what about reflection? Did you engage in it? What did reflection look like for you? You know, I think there was a period where I was just like, fuck everything. Like, I think there was a period where I was just like, I'm not going to really. Well, and here's the thing is like, I'm naturally a very introspective, self-aware person. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my natural state is to just be kind of like always thinking about something or processing something. But when I really felt like I'm in the muck and I'm really confused, I was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna think too hard about anything. Like there were, there were definitely chapters of kind of the whole journey where it was just like, okay, one foot in front of the other chop wood, carry water. Like don't, yeah, you don't have to, because reflection to me at that time felt a lot more like trying to put pressure on myself to have answers that I didn't have yet. So instead of, again, it's like this, it was this constant orienting down to just like, okay, what does my body want in this moment? Which I guess is like a form of reflection Um, or like what would feel good today or yeah, like who would be a good person for me to talk to or call upon for support or, you know, those kinds of questions that were more kind of like self-care oriented. Um, And there was definitely reflection around like, like, oh, why, like, why is this happening to me? Or how did I get myself to this place? Or why is this so hard? Or, you know, like all of those kinds of things. But I tried to take as much pressure off of myself as possible. Because I think I I did have awareness that I was like, I'm going through something really profound here for Mm -hmm. me personally. And let's not add any, let's not put any more pressure to like have answers or clarity that isn't available right now. Yeah. 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 If anything, what I, what I thought I heard you say earlier was more, well, I would put this in the category of reflecting, but like reflecting on how you were going to end things Mm. at this point, you know, like reflecting on like, what does the wind down of my business look like? Yes. But not putting pressure on yourself of like reflecting on, and then what's going to happen after that. Totally. Yeah. It was very much just like what needs to happen in the here and now. Yeah. And like, what steps can I just be taking? Like, what are the next few steps forward? Mm-hmm. Cause that's another big thing too. I think when we're going through transitions, you know, it's that quote of like, we want to see the whole staircase. Yeah. And it's yes. like, no, the whole staircase is like covered in smoke and like, you know, it's extremely mysterious. So, so more of the reflection was just kind of like, okay, this is the staircase. Like what's the step that we're going to step on today? Yeah. Yeah. I remember saying to my coach when I was moving through my major transition, said it feels like I'm needing to cross a river and there is such a dense fog that like I can't even see the next freaking stone that I'm supposed to step on in this moment and I remember her saying something like okay then how do we get the visibility to three feet and then five feet and then 20 feet and maybe you know what maybe it's only ever at 20 feet from here on out because we're just so much more in the here and now. So I appreciate what you're sharing of just like that. Yeah. You feel like I can't, I don't even know what's beyond. I don't even know what the hell's on the other bank of this freaking river. Yeah. I'm just going to be here now in it for a little Mm -hmm. while. Mm -hmm. So you spend some time in nature, you brush some ponies. (laughs) I love that so much. The, The third theme that I see a lot in transition that I think you even touched on a little bit earlier is what what I think of as experimentation or like allowing ourselves to play a little bit. And I'm hearing that for you, the example that you brought up earlier was like, I was like, I'm just gonna go to Boulder for a month and see. Are there other examples that come to mind for you of how you let yourself just experiment? Yeah. Well, the equine therapy was actually a huge thing for me. Yeah. Because I, there was no rhyme or reason to it. Like, there was like no reason for me to do therapeutic work with horses. And okay, is there time for me to just tell a story around this? Yes. I think this is like, so I don't think I've taught, I've, I've told the story before, but about six months prior to me moving to Boulder, I had been at a retreat in Ojai, California with Michaela Boehm, who, this is another weird thing, is the creator and and founder of the nonlinear movement method, which I'm now certified in, but like, didn't know that at the time, you know, like that was a whole thing. Like I was just like, I read her book. I liked her book. I was like, let's go. I want to go to this (laughs) retreat. Like, let's just try that. But that, and that was kind of like early stage transition. Like that was like, 
there's knocks on the door, but nobody's like completely, you know, um, broken into my house yet. <laughs> like, it's just like, like I was like aware that things were changing, but there was this woman at the retreat who was like this very, she felt like this, like kind of like mystical earth mama type person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, again, it's like, I'm very Northeast, like born and raised right outside Boston, Massachusetts, like my tolerance at that time, especially for like mystical earth mama was like, I roll <laughs> this lady, you know, like in her, like, uh, um, but jokes on me because so we were talking during one of the breaks and she was FaceTiming with her horse. Oh my gosh. And we were all kind of just bopping around. And I saw, you know, I, I heard her talking <laughs> to her horse. So I heard her talking to some creature And then she got off and she saw me kind of like watching her and she was like, oh, I just really, really miss my horse. You know, like he's, uh, he's uh, at the stables and like, they're taking care of him, but I always go and ride with him on weekends and I can't because, you know, I'm here. And I was like, wow, I was like, that's really incredible. I really, I actually really love horses. I have this like feeling kind of like it's something I would like to know more about or get, I've never really ridden before. And I remember she looked at me and she said, oh, well, the horses, they're already with you clearly. So Mm. just like relax and trust. Like there'll be a time where, you know, that'll come to be, but you don't, you don't need to know, like the spirit of the horse will guide you. And again, I'm like this lady, (laughs) (laughs) but LOL, you know, four months later, it was like all the rugs had been pulled out from under me. And like, my body was in pain. I was heartbroken from ending this relationship. I was preparing for this move and feeling really confused about where I was going to move to. But one thing that I knew was like, I think I want to do work with horses. And I'd started Mm. researching it and looking it up and learning a little bit more. And I was looking at at all these different like organizations and therapeutic facilities because I was like, I can kind of go anywhere. Where do I want to go? And I ended up connecting with this therapist. Steph McBride, her, her therapy is, is reroute therapy. And she was the only person who got back to me. You know what I mean? Like it was like, I'd emailed and called all these different equine therapists, literally like around the world or not around the world, around the U S she was the only person who got back to me. And she was like, tell me a little bit about yourself. And we made an appointment for my first week that I would arrive in Boulder. And she was a somatic therapist Mm. and I didn't know anything about somatic therapy. I did not know anything about anything about somatic. I didn't know who Peter Levine was. I didn't know (laughs) what embodiment was. I was like uncomfortable with all of those terms. And lo and behold, it was like this profound connection that sent me on this whole other path into this sphere in this world, uh, you know, which now I get to incorporate so much of into my work with clients Mm. that I had no concept of. And the only reason why that worked out is because there was this thing in me that was like, yeah, I want to be around a horse. Mm. And I just so happened to connect up with this person. And like Boulder is also just, you know, Naropa University is here. There's like a huge sort of psychosomatic or not psychosomatic psychology community. And it's one of those things that just worked out. Mm. But I remember like telling people like, oh, why why Boulder? And I was like, oh, I want to do some stuff with horses. And people being like, like my mother was like, why are you telling people that? That sounds so strange. But it was, the spirit of the horses called me. And, uh, you know, and that's just one example of something I sort of leapt into purely on kind of like women instinct. But there were lots of things like that where I was like, oh, I, I feel like I want to read this book, you know, mm-hmm. or I feel like I want to go to this particular event. And then, you know, things that came to fruition that I couldn't have planned for or anticipated because I let myself just like throw a lot of paint at the wall. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of one primary example. Yeah. And I love what you're sharing because I wonder if what's, what might be different to listeners about your story than maybe others that they'll hear is how much your body led. Oh, Oh, she was like, honey, sit down. (laughs) Like she was like, you've been at the wheel for a while and look what you did. So sit (laughs) down. (laughs) Well, you know, with all the love in the world, but tough love. Like it was like, I'm taking over. 
Yeah. And I wonder if it would be safe to say like, that's still how you operate. Oh, a thousand percent. Yes. Like it's not like this, not to disregard even the parts of me that are this way, but it's not like the conniving scheming, like, let me make a list of possible selves and let me like think my way into experiments that I could run for that. It sounds like for you, the experience was just like the spirit of the horse is falling. (laughs) Yeah. Not even knowing. No, the possible self might be no, the like secret hidden like experiment was. No, we were dancing in the mystery. We were like one with the fog. Like we were just, and it, and it really was just, I think this is like a great thing. I think I want to talk about this, that like, there's something really beautiful about arriving at a personal rock bottom Mm -hmm. because there comes to be a point again, where it's like, you're humbled enough that you're like, I have nothing to lose. So kind of fuck it. Like, I'm just going to do what feels good to me because like, I don't know what else to do right now. And that was kind of where I felt at that point in time. Like I was like, I'm, I'm really confused. Like, I don't know which way is up and down. I'm navigating the place I've never been before. And, and I don't have a lot to lose right now. Yeah. So why not just try out some stuff? Yeah. And, and I think when we do get into that, like problem solving, reaching, like trying so hard to be like, but I need to be sure that I'm doing everything right or that I'm making good decisions or yes. that I'm being really smart about this. Or it's like that, that I think can actually sometimes while well-meaning it can kind of get in the way of that, like cocooning process, which you talk about so much where it's like, there's stuff that needs to just dissolve. Mm-hmm. And like, can I just let some things dissolve? Yeah. Yeah. But I love that though. Like that just hit me over the head because I'm doing so many of these interviews and I was thinking, oh, so, for some folks, the experimenting is like, uh, here's four possibilities of what I might do next. Sure. Now let me make the experiments to back into them and see if I like them. And for yeah. you, it was like, it was not that. So listeners, like you get to choose your own adventure in that sense too, of like, if it's the, I just want to experiment because this is what my body is calling me towards and not maybe not know dance with the mystery as Amy said dance with mm-hmm. the mystery and not knowing where it's gonna lead okay so you I feel like I already know where this question's gonna go <laughs> because I think we just talked about it so you rest you reflect you experiment yeah how did you know what the quote right next move was for you well I think the biggest guiding light was that I had this body of work which is now the undoing that was materializing through this whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, and the undoing is, is a program that I offer that is the, basically it's like, yeah, it's like the, the four pillars of patriarchal deprogramming, the way that I understand it and have received it. And this body of work started materializing to me like very early on in my sort of transitioning process. Like I was like, and literally like when I say materializing, I literally mean like I would get like pictures in my head of like this chart that looked this way with these like, with words on it that I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to like write it down because I think it's something. And I was also doing a lot of like deep, weird meditations at the time. And um I'm never one to say like, I got a download because like, I, that's just not my language, but there were things coming. I was receiving things that, that I, I was kind of just putting together that turned into this body of work. And I was very aware from very early on that I was like, I think this is going to be something I have to teach. Like, I think this is going to be something that I will bring to you know, the women who are in my online community or the women that I work with. Meanwhile, you know, just for every, anyone who doesn't know me at all, like I'm teaching workshops on online dating. Like that's like what yeah, I was doing, you know, yeah. like I was like helping, helping people have fun on Tinder. So, so this was, again, this was like, whoa, what's happening confusion. But it was this, again, it was like this kind of guiding light or this thing that was coming together in such a way for me while all of this is going on that I knew there would be a point in time 
where I was going to share that. Mm. And, and again, going back to kind of like this, you know, this being like my pace and my process, I really let that incubate for a really long time. Like I didn't feel ready to share it. I didn't really want to, I was going through my own weird stuff. So I was like, I want to do some healing. I want to do some like inner work for myself. There's some things that I need to like play with and practice and, um, lean into on my own. So I'm not going to like rush that. And I'm not going to rush like my business pivot, but I'm pretty sure that's where things are headed. What made you quote unquote sure? I think that's the thing people struggle with a lot too. Of like, but how will I know what the right thing is? Oh, well, I definitely didn't. I remember (laughs) like, I remember so I did a, a workshop in August of 2020, which is crazy. Think about that was two years ago, mm-hmm. but I did a workshop revealing this body of work essentially. And just being like, Hey, everyone, I know that you're used to me helping you with Tinder. I know that I'm like dating and relationship, you know, like that's my whole thing, but I think things are moving in a new direction. I would love for you to come. And I remember hiking with a friend the weekend prior. And I was like, people just may not get this. Like, I'm like, this could just totally tank my business. Like I might, like I could share this and people could just be like, this doesn't resonate with me. I don't get what you're talking about. What are you trying to do? Like, who are you to teach that? You know, like all the possibilities in my brain of just like, yeah, maybe this is the workshop that kills my business and I have no more clients and no one wants to work with me ever again. Mm. And that was really real. And I remember my friend kind of like rolling her eyes and being like, I don't think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> but I was like, but we don't know. I'm like, but we don't know. Yeah. But the the knowing, like, so it's interesting, right? Because I think the, how do I know this is the right thing mm-hmm. is very much attached to a fixed outcome. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, I don't, the right thing is the thing that gets me to the place that I want to be going to where I get to feel safe or I get to feel stable or I get to feel secure. And the reason why I was able to move forward, not knowing that it was the right thing was because I was like, regardless of what happens or what the outcome is, this wants to be shared. Mm. This thing wants to be shared. This body of work wants to be expressed. There's an invitation that wants to happen here. So I'm just going to I am going to be the representative (laughs) for that. And whatever happens beyond that is exactly what's supposed to happen. So if my business tanks, if no one wants to work with me, cool. We navigate that then. Like if, if this completely like dissolves everything that I've built, I trust that because, because whether I fully understand it or not, I know that this, this body of work wants to be shared. So we're just going to do that and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Was there ever a point in that process where you thought, oh shit, maybe this isn't it. Maybe I shouldn't be headed this way. That's such a good question. My instinct is like, yes, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Cause I think I, I definitely questioned it. Like the part of me that was very, safety and security driven wanted to stay in everything that I'd been doing Mm -hmm. was very much like, no, let's just keep doing what we're doing and being who we've always been. Yeah. But the other part of me who was kind of already like separating from that knew that that actually just wasn't an option. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just knew we're not going to, we can't go backwards. And we're not going to hang on to that just because that's what felt familiar and safe. Mm. You know, it was very much like this deeper part of me. I love, I love this quote. I wish I knew who said it, you know, like ships are safe in Harbor, but that's not what ships are for. Mm. Like it was this part of me that was like, whether we like it or not, the tides have turned and this is the direction we're being asked to go in. So yeah. So I'm sure, I'm sure there were lots of moments where I was just like, Oh, crap. I'm sure. And yeah, I'm like going on hikes with my friend and just be like, I don't know if this is a good idea. And I don't know if this is going to work. And I don't know. But I was like, well, you know, that, that seems about right. You know, when you're, when you're making big changes, it's like, that's going to be part of it is questioning it. So I think I was kind of prepared for that maybe. Yeah. Let's talk about the human side here a little bit. Sometimes I wonder if folks feel like transition isn't a time that they can really grow. 
or learn mm. anything because they're in between things, you know, maybe it goes back to what you're saying earlier. You didn't use these words, but like the destination mentality of like, oh, but I'm not there yet. So I can't be like on this path or like be on a path of learning or grow. And I'm curious for us to just unpack a little bit, maybe how you did learn or what you did grow being in the muckiness versus being at any like oh, destination. I mean, I think that's where all the growth happens. You know, like I think all the transformation <laughs> happened in that mucky transition. Yeah. Phase. So, so like what ways of being would you say like you learned through Oh my god. Being, being well, that? my number one tool at that time, my number one tool at that time was when in doubt just um take child's pose. And just cry on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) My number one tool. I'm not exaggerating at all. The amount of time I spent in child's pose crying on the floor was like profound. (laughs) Like just, and again, this is like the humbled part of this, which was like, my, my life is changing. I am changing. I don't understand all of it. I don't get all of it. Things don't make sense. I don't know what else to do except express like the the confusion and the pain and the sadness in that. Mm, So I had a morning ritual of like where I would set up a little like blanket with some cushions and some candles. And like, I have a stuffed penguin that is a very sacred object for me. And she would sit with me and I would do like, you know, I would, I would like meditate and move and cry and just feel things and try to connect to something deeper than myself. And like, those were the most transformative moments was like me actually being with myself in the truth of what I was feeling. Yeah. Cause especially because I had been running at such a pace for so long, like makes me emotional to talk about it. Like I'd been running at such a pace for so long that there were these parts of me that had been begging me, like, will you just sit down and be with me for a minute? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I did. Yeah. And like actually learning how to be with myself mm-hmm. and be with what I was feeling and not run from, you know, whatever was uncomfortable was like the most unbelievable gift and the biggest opportunity for growth that I could have taken. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look flashy or impressive or interesting from the outside, you know? Well, that's like the shit that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> of like, uh, cause I'm just so sick of the messy middle stories being told. Well, frankly, the messy middle is not being told and it just, yeah, being, yeah, yeah. I used to be a dating and relationships coach and I totally successfully transformed my business to this. Yeah. Fuck that. Like yeah. some shit in the middle where shit got real and Amy had to feel some motherfucking feelings. Oh, for like months at a time. Like <laughs> months at a time. Talk about instead yeah. of just like making it look like this, like, what is that? Like a real thing of like, oh, can't we just like skip to the just good get part? Get to the like, good part. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Like we yeah. can't. We can't. Yeah. There's there's muck in the middle that we have to be with. Yeah. And I was, I'm also just thinking like in terms of the personal side, I much to my surprise met my now partner through that time. Mm -hmm. And again, it was this time where I was like, I'm a hot fucking mess. No one should come in here right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like no one should come in here. I don't want anyone to see me like this. I don't think anyone could really love me in this spot. I'm trying to just love me in this spot. And yeah, my incredible boyfriend entered the picture and was like, I think I'm crazy about you. And I was like, well, something must be wrong with you because (laughs) I spend a lot of time crying on the floor. Um, and, and that broke me open in so many ways too, because it was just like, not what I expected and not what I planned for. And it felt like taking another big leap. Like I was like, okay, I'll experiment with the possibility of this new person Mm. who like, again, like going back to my body, I was like, oh my God, I feel so safe with him. Like I feel so seen with him. I feel Mm. so like everything just gets to like smooth out a little bit with him. And some of that made me very uncomfortable. Like I was like, this is a totally different dynamic than things that I've experienced before. So that was a whole thing too. Like letting someone into the the messiness with me and letting someone love me in that place was just it it was scary and healing and and beautiful and awkward all at once. Yeah. 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 So I'm hearing like if I even just think about what you shared throughout the episode, I'm hearing 
some themes around like learning how to be with for sure learning how to be with your body learning how to listen to what the body was saying and honor what the body was saying learning how to be with yourself and the any and every emotion that might come up from it learning how to let yourself be seen by someone else in the mess learning how to slow down learning like a a totally new pace that maybe you never allowed or offered to yourself before so much can happen in the middle if we let it if we let it yeah would you say that you're still in a messy middle of sorts well, this was something I was so excited when we were scheduling this podcast. I know I told you that. And I, I told you, I was like, I don't really feel like I'm there anymore. Like, it actually feels like for that particular messy middle, because I have no doubts there will be more in my yes. future. Yes. But like for this particular chapter, it feels like there's a level of completion that's occurred where, mm-hmm. I mean, which again, we're talking about like the, the timeline, right? It was like, Okay, January 2019 to like today, August 2020. So we're talking like, is that over two and a half years? That's over two and a half years. Yeah. And it really wasn't until I think like this past spring even that I really felt like something settled in on a different level where I was like, oh, the, the confusion or the uncertainty or like the discomfort that I've been wading through. It's like something's smoothed out here now where I feel clear and mm. I feel and I feel like me again it's just a new evolved version of me mm. it's not that old me and it's not the the moopy goopy in the chrysalis uh-huh. <laughs> crying on the floor me this is a new me that's emerged um and I wasn't expecting that so I'm glad that you asked this because I don't know that I actually would have paused to be like maybe we're not in the messy middle anymore if I hadn't really reflected from our conversation. So thank you. Yeah. What do you want other people to know who may be in their own messy middle? Oh my God. Number one, like grace and compassion, grace and compassion, grace and compassion. Mm -hmm. We are not, we are not trained in the art of transition, Mm -hmm. you know, like being in a place of unknown. And this is a huge part of what I talk about. Like the unknown is the feminine, the mystery. It's like, it's this whole aspect of life that we're really taught to avoid and experience as the enemy. So if you're up against some unknowns and mysteries and confusion, like the most powerful thing that I think we can do is at least get on our own team through Mm -hmm. it and be like, I'm going to be so graceful and gracious and gentle and compassionate with myself through this. I'm not going to tell myself that I should be somewhere else. I'm not going to make myself wrong for being where I am. I'm not going to be hard on myself. I'm going to be really, really like good to me. I'm going to love on me. I'm going to learn how to do that if I don't know how to do that yet. That's like first, foremost, step zero. (laughs) It's just like, I want to be my own friend in this process. And then the other thing, it it really, it's, it's so kind of overly simplified, but I think really trusting like, okay, one foot in front of the other, Mm. like just one foot in front of the other and, and understanding, yeah, that it's like other people have walked paths that were foggy where they Mm. couldn't see the full staircase and lived to tell the tale. So I can do that too. Like that can be my story too. And kind of claiming and owning and remembering that it's like, oh yeah, I'm in the middle of something. So it makes sense if it feels confusing. And if I can't really see three feet ahead, five feet ahead, you know, like understanding almost that that's like by design, you know, like you're, you're supposed to be in the muck for a while and there's gifts in the muck. So like trusting if you can stay with yourself and, and keep moving forward at the right pace and, and being in your process in a way that feels true to you. Like that will only lead you to good things. Yeah. What do you sense is most important to you now in this new shape of your life? Uh, I, more than anything else, I, I want to stay true to myself as much as humanly possible. Like in the most kind of like deep divine way, you know, the quote, do you, uh, you know, the five regrets of the dying. Do you know this book? Yeah. But remind us a little bit. Well, <laughs> I won't go through all of them, 
But this woman, I think her, her name is Bonnie something. And I'm pretty sure she was a hospice nurse, but she wrote this book that's like, you know, really gained a lot of traction about the five regrets of the dying. And the number one regret of people when they're on their deathbed is I wish I had the courage to live a life that was true to me instead of the life that others expected. Mm. And I feel like through my own messy middle, that was so much of what I was kind of combing through and untangling of like, what's actually true for me? What's actually true for me? And kind of unhooking myself from all the places where I had accidentally fallen into doing what was expected of me. Mm. And I think that's just a constant refinement. So right now, I think I'm continuously just sort of refining that for myself and and staying with what feels true today and what is, yeah, like what's the next aligned thing that wants to happen and trusting that if I just keep taking care of that, then, I mean, that's really all I need to be responsible for. So, yeah. Yeah, it's that good Frozen song, just do the next right thing. Take a step, just like step that. again. <laughs> That's it, man. That's it. 100%. Amy, thank you so much. Oh my God, Sham, thank you. Thank you for sharing your messy monkey metal story with us. Well, there you have it, folks. Here's the three things I'm taking away from this episode. First, we need that break for restoration. Otherwise, as Amy says, it'll feel like trying to put pressure on yourself to find answers that we just don't have yet and that we may not even have the energy to find yet. I know I tried to skip that restorative part when I went through my transition, and we just can't. Amy was so wise not to. Second, I love what she said about my pace, my process. Everyone's transition, heck, everyone's life gets to be different. Are you loving the pace and process of your life right now? I know that's a question I'm going to be asking myself. And if not, what would make it more you? Third, be willing to dance with the mystery. When we're in transition, it's foggy AF. You get to just look at the first few feet in front of you for right now. You don't have to figure it all out before you take any steps forward. You get to just be willing to dance with the mystery. Now for a sneak peek. Next week, I'm sharing my interview with Mia. Mia went from working in the nonprofit public health space to now being a licensed esthetician. To me, her messy mucky middle story is one about allowing yourself to follow your joy and a story about belonging. I can't wait to share more with you real soon. Last but not least, if you think it might resonate with a friend, please do share this episode with them. And if you like my vibe, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast, connect with me on Instagram, or learn more about my work at shannonshotler.com. Until next time, go forth into your very own messy middles with courage and compassion.